Hi everyone, welcome to episode 17 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. I hope you all had a lovely enjoyable week since our last podcast. If this is your first time listening to an Inside View podcast, we would really appreciate it if you go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast, that one recommendation, that one extra download would make a huge, huge difference. Any interaction that you may have about the podcast please do, on social media please do tag on the ball team building and do tag the guests too we'd like to give a big shout out to GRG Sports who are the sponsors of an Inside View podcast they're a team sports where supplier it's J clubs soccer clubs and all team sports in Ireland and they also look if you're also a business they would also KCO too so be sure to check out the website and the the guys will definitely definitely help you out. Thanks, billion guys again for supporting the interview podcast. And now it's time to bring on this week's guest, and I'm delighted to be joined by former Aussie Rules football with Carlton and current Cork J star Kieran Sheehan. He spent four years in Australia playing with Carlton, but before departing the shores of Ireland to pursue his AFL career, he was a Cork. GA dual underage star and won an All Ireland senior medal with the Rebels in 2010. His first season in Australia, he played 14 VFL games and was fast tracked onto the Carlton first team side, very much ahead of schedule. He also played the last four games of the AFL season, which resulted in him earning the first year player of the season award along the way. Despite a remarkable first season, injuries hampered the air og man's progress. In total, he underwent eight operations during his four years with the Melbourne side. Sheehan returned to Ireland late last year and was drafted back into Ronald McCarthy's side for the 2020 campaign. What was his experience of playing in Australia? How was it mentally dealing with all the injuries? What has the adjustment back to life in Ireland and Gaelic football been like for him? There's plenty to cover. Hi, Kiran. Welcome to an Inside View podcast. How are you? Thanks, Jamie. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good to have a chat. How, look, I suppose we're, we're kind of coming out of lockdown now. Um, are we going into another lockdown? But we say, going back in, in March, how did, you, how did you find that, you know, that period for you mentally? Did you find it testing? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it was a testing for, for everyone. I think um, it was obviously something that, not many people would have experienced to, to that extent. Um, and it was certainly a challenge, um, I suppose, from a, a personal point of view, I suppose, in that, you know, everyone's in the same boat, but it was a case of not being able to, that feeling of not being able to kind of freely move around is always a, a bit daunting. But um, no, look, I suppose in terms of the, the training and, and I suppose side of things, it was... Uh, it was a bit of a, a shock to the system, all right. Um, particularly, I suppose, when I was really kind of starting to settle down and I suppose I hadn't played football at, at, I suppose, a decent level for a long, long time. So it was a case of kind of things were starting to really kind of come back into place uh, to a certain degree anyway. But uh, yeah, it was it was one of those ones that was probably a bit difficult at the start, I suppose. But um, like everyone else, I suppose everyone knew we were in the same boat. So it was a case of, you know, finding the best ways around it and finding the best ways to kind of deal with it, like, you know. How did you find training on your own? Uh, I imagine you got, you know, you got programs and all that. Did you find that difficult? Um, I, I did, and I didn't. To be honest with you, Jamie, I was, um, to be honest, when I was over, I suppose in Australia, I, I, um, I spent a lot of time training on my own. To be honest with you, because of um, a few injury issues and things like that, and um, you almost kind of got used to that training in isolation. Um, but uh, yeah, look, uh, I suppose. The biggest thing for me was is 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 always keeping the motivation front of mind, and I will I will admit that it was a bit of a challenge this time around. Um, I suppose when I was training in isolation over, I suppose we always had an end goal and we could see you know the, the finish line. Whereas here it was a bit of case of you know we were taking it every week as as it was, so it was a, a bit of a different challenge. But um, look, we I suppose the fact that the club kind of deadline came around then and we had something to aim for, it, it did make training a little bit easier then as, as it started to go on, like, you know. On, on that point, I suppose, um, I asked uh, a previous guest, um, Sean Potter, actually, that was on a couple of weeks ago, about, you know, the amount of injuries he had and how he found that training on his own. I'm going to throw the same question to you. Over the last couple of years, when you're over in, in Australia, we'll obviously get into that. But how did you find training on your own? Do you find that difficult? Um, I, I do. I do. I do. Um, 
I suppose it again you kind of you go up and down um but again the, the important thing for me was always to try to keep the the purpose kind of front of mind you know why am i doing it um and finding that motivation um like there's everyone has their own kind of different motivation and kind of finding what that is from a, a personal point of view is key to you know really kind of driving on um from a i suppose a, a training and isolation point of view um but i I, I do enjoy it, I must say. Um, I suppose there's times there where you kind of mentally get to challenge yourself. Um, you know, you're kind of on your own. You know, how far can you push yourself? Um, I suppose you always look for kind of different ways to, to motivate you while you're training. Um, but like, look, there was always still, you know, the old WhatsApp crack that was going on, you know, a bit of banter all the time. And we were all able to kind of hop off each other in terms of, you know, times we're doing and things like that so that always gives you an extra bit of a push as well an extra bit of an edge like so um that was that was always good fun as well like you know did you find this i was probably gonna ask you this later on but uh, no harm throwing in now like do you think you know do you find this difficult to stay part of that team you know when you're training on your own all the time feel part of the team dynamics the team culture do you do you think do you feel kind of isolated at times i suppose naturally you would yeah, I think so. I think I think that's a challenge, you know, all over the country um, in terms of, you know, feeling a part of a team, particularly, you know, again, I made reference to it earlier, is when you go back with the club and, you know, some lads are playing in Cork, are playing hurling and football, and it's it's very full on. Uh, like, we've, we played four weeks in a row, um, and it's, you know, it's club, 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 which is fantastic. Um, and you know it's great to, to actually be able to give that time to the club and be able to kind of be around all the time. You like you know, um, but there is that added challenge of you know you're still a, a Cork footballer, you're still a Kerry footballer, um, or still a Dublin footballer, whoever you know. It's you always have to keep that in the back of your mind as well that you know you need to be performing really well at, at club level in order to be kind of maintaining that kind of high standard when it's a step up again at intercounty level, like you know. Um, but it's certainly a challenge. Like, you know, um, as you said, being away from the group, you're not getting that same kind of, I suppose, high level of motivation or high level of high performance um, that you'd be getting regularly on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday at the weekend as well. Um, now, in saying that, like, we're very fortunate. We've Paddy Kassan as our, our coach out in Nairobi. Um, and he's he's excellent. Obviously, I know Potty quite well, and from a high performance, you know, side of things, you know, we're we're lucky in that we have him and our hurling coach as well, Niall as well, and we're we're kept kind of going, like you know, we're kept pushed. So, but the the challenge then is, you know, there's a lot of you know, you know, different grades. Guys are playing at different grades, so you know, you can't monitor how everyone's going. So it's a case of again, it comes back to that self discipline and how do you mot- motivate yourself. But it's uh, it's certainly a challenge. And I suppose in you know no it it's it is a challenge. But we say you know when when you're across in in Australia, how do you keep yourself motivated? Injury in injury out, you know you went through a period mm-hmm. there. It was you know and things were going so so well for you. We'll get into it in more detail soon, but just to kind of set the scene. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um... Again, I mentioned there, it all came back to the purpose, like, why why am I doing it? Um, and, you know, I, I came out there to Australia to really kind of go for it, like, you're you're moving your whole life, you know, to the other side of the world. And you don't make that decision very lightly either. Um, so going out there was a case of, you know, I'm out there for a reason, um, and I'm going to try and do that to the best of my ability. Um, and that kind of kept the wheels in motion for me, to be honest. Um, don't get me wrong, there was times where, you know, it was it was quite difficult, you know, between injury and everything, and you're not playing to the level that you want to be playing at, and I suppose to the level that I knew at the time that I could play at because I had experienced it. Um but I suppose it was it was it was about that constant reminder. Um and I've said it before, you know, I was, in, I was speaking on a podcast um at the start of this year and spoke an awful lot about reliable re- rely relying on the people around you. Um and the support network and kind of leaning on that as much as possible. Um, I, I think the biggest downfall that, that some people might have is that you don't, you kind of tend to go very um, introverted and you don't really kind of 
I suppose, lean on the people around you. And, and I was lucky enough that I was surrounded by great teammates, great coaches, great people over in Australia. And uh, I was lucky that I could lean on them. Um, and I was quite open in, in that, what I was going through and the struggle I was going through. Um, particularly with the people in Australia, I found it difficult to connect and let people know in Ireland how I was doing because I felt like I was over there and, and I need to deal with it with what I have over here as opposed to, you know, back in Ireland as well. So, um, but it was definitely, uh, I put a lot of it down to having that support network and having the, the guts to, to lean on it um, in many ways. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to do that. So, as you mentioned earlier on, you're, um, you're an Airog man, 10 miles on the west of the, the city of Cork. What was it like growing up there? It's obviously a dual club. Yeah, it was uh, amazing. Um, home is always amazing to, to everyone, I suppose. But um, we, I suppose, coming from a, a GA background, GA family, um, my, my granduncle Cullum Sheehan played in the 1966 All-Ireland Hurling Final with Cork. Um, scoring three goals. I always, I used to always get the story from the grandfather growing up. Um, and I suppose things like that would stick with you as a kid. Um, and Arrow was the center of, of the parish. Um, you know, it would kind of, there's an, an amazing community there, but a lot of the, the, the community surrounded the, the GA club. And, um, and it became a huge part of kind of growing up for me, even in school in, in Farron National School playing in the Skinish goal and you know yourself one thing leads to another you know you're playing and you're playing Aero Skinish goal then you go primary game then you go you know all of a sudden you've Cork under 14 hurling and Aero gave me that opportunity we had success underage um, which I suppose again gave me a great boost in, of confidence kind of going forward from an inter-county perspective um, so I was again very fortunate to kind of have a lot of a very close group of friends uh, and their actual um, parents were involved in GA teams um, which were coaches which kind of brought it all together an awful lot for us um, and we had some success with that and it kind of just took off from there then it's um, traditionally I suppose a hurling club um, leaning more towards the football in more recent times um, the harder hurling lads won't, won't want me saying that, but um, I suppose we just experienced a bit more success from from the football side of things. Um, so I was off the back of, of of Daniel Gooling being the kind of first kind of real breakthrough intercounty footballer for the club. Um, Dan's five years older than me, so I was kind of always ch- chasing him um, and trying to get to his standard. And uh, and um, I suppose that's where it kind of really kicked off then from the football perspective. Um, but uh, no, just a just a great club, great community, um, great great spirit in the club, like you know. Um, but uh, a great dual club as well, like you know. You played um, dual for Cork, did you? Um, so obviously hurling football. How do you find that? Um, I think you broke onto the footballers first. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah. Um, well, we actually underage. Well, underage, you would have played hurling because. There was no under fourteen football team at the time. It was uh, it was under fourteen hurling, under fifteen hurling with Cork, and then there was under sixteen football. That's when the football kind of kicked in then, and we had some success under sixteen football and and hurling as well, to be honest. But uh, got to minor minor level then and did two years of dual uh, hurling and football, um, and loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, you know, we had, we had a, a big group of lads that kind of played both. I'd say we had nearly eight or nine guys that played the boat. Um, hectic schedule at the time um, when you were that age. But, um, no, we absolutely loved it. Um, but uh, then it, it kind of just happened, I suppose, that I got the call then from, from Connor at the time, Connor Coonan at the time, to, to come into the senior squad. And... Um, the rest was kind of history then it kind of just it was I was in and that, and that was it I was I was over the moon to be asked and um delighted to be able to to keep going like you know um but uh to to, to be involved with a team kind of at that level the way cock football was at the time as well was was extra special do you think you know you were saying there that, you know we say for the minors that time do do a minor player do you think the workload you know you, you were able to manage it but Perhaps looking back now, do you think you weren't recovering properly in between sessions and in between games and things? 
I think, to be honest, Jamie, I think the 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 level has gone up so much um, in terms of guys. Guys are developing at a lot younger age now. Um, you know, you see guys that are going to the gym and that at the age of 14, 15, 16 now, um, whereas certainly in, in the circles that I was involved in, that wasn't the case um, at the time. Um, and it was just a case of going out and playing. Um, I, I do remember being, you know, I was over and back and here and there. I was dragging my mother left, right and center, dropping me to games and trainings and everything. But um, I certainly never stopped and, and said, you know, I'm wrecked tired. I don't, I don't vividly have a memory of kind of saying, you know, I'm, I'm wrecked from it. Um, but I do think this day and age, I think it, there will be a lot more strain on the body, I feel, in terms of a... The, the demands of the game now, the way it's played and everything, I think um, it's, uh, yeah, it's important that you get that balance right. Not saying that it's it's not possible, but I do think you have to kind of give it a lot more thought, whereas in my time it definitely wasn't a case of um, one or the other. It was a case of I just want to keep playing as much as I can um, until I, I can't play anymore. Um, but obviously, obviously when you make that step to senior, then it, it's just not possible, particularly with hurling because you know I have to be hurling all the time like in order to, to be playing at that kind of elite level like you know and you you played uh, dual minor and then you played dual on a 21 um, what made you go with say down the football route yeah, to be honest with you it was just the call it was the call I got um, at the time um, Connor rang me and uh, and I suppose he had the added influence of, of Daniel who was who, who was on the football squad as well at the time and um you know being a, a fellow clubman and stuff like I suppose it was just a and you know what Cork Cork football was you know flying at the time and I knew like you know there's some great characters there like you know and I was just kind of buzzing to even be a part of that and um and I, I kind of just jumped at the opportunity when they when they called me in Aidan Walsh was called in the the year before as well in 2009 and um at, the, at that time, I was kind of juggling up whether I'd be going to Australia or not. And um, and I was on the sideline, I think, for a Munster final in Park and Cueve. And I remember thinking, you know, geez, I'd love to be a part of it. And then, you know, when I was act, asked into the training squad, it was just like, you know, a case of, all right, uh, I'm, in, I'm in here, so let's just try staying here for as long as I can. You you mentioned there about your, your uh, you know, whether you're going to go to Australia or not. Um so you know you moved over in, in 13 but i say the the roots were kind of sown the seeds were sown further back was it you were 16 when you got the call and you thought someone was pranking you <laughs> yeah that's that's right yeah um we played in a, a monster minor final down in clarney against Kerry, and um i was 16 at the time it would have been my first year minor and uh and had a reasonably good game that day and got a phone call uh, a couple of weeks later, it was, um, you know, and the Australian accent came on the phone and I was kind of a bit shocked and I dead set thought it was a prank call. So I hung up because I was just kind of laughing the other side of the phone. But then he called me back again. So then it kind of got a bit real, all right. Um, and uh, he asked to me, he knew my mother's name. So then I knew it was kind of a, the real deal. But uh, he wanted to meet then with myself and my mum just and he just asked a simple question would I be interested in, in playing Australian rules football and um, I suppose at the time as well it wasn't as common um, at that at that stage and uh, look at the time I was like what an amazing opportunity and um, I went out then with, with Zach Tui out to Carrollton and two of us went out that year we went out for a six week trial and with the idea that you know if you get on well you sign a contract um, so in the last week out there in Melbourne, we both signed contracts, uh, rookie contracts. And I came home, we were flying home and due to fly out again for preseason. When I came home, there was something just kind of, I don't know, just clicked with me um, in terms of like, you know, homesickness and things like that. And it was just me and my mom at home and things as well at the time. And um, yeah, it was just one of those gut feelings that, you know, I just wanted to stay and that was it. Made the decision I, and to to Carlton's credit at the time and to Zach's credit as well because he was going back out there on his own but uh, I um, like Carlton were like you know completely understand you know no issue um, and uh, and that was it and uh, like you know Zach to be fair to him as well look at the career he's made for himself now like you know um, 
in terms of having that kind of ability to go out and just, you know, on his own. You know, Satanta was out there at the time, and I'd imagine he was a great help for him as well. But, like, huge, huge credit to him to go out and just give it a go by himself again, you know, as a 19-year-old. And, uh, and, and that was it then. It was, it was a case of I, I did get a call again after the All-Ireland in 2010, wondering was I interested in, in going back out. But I kind of batted that away at the time because... Suppose I was on a high after that year, and you know, there's me thinking hopefully a few more on the way, but um, that didn't go to plan. But um, yeah, and then that's when 2013 kind of came around. Um, obviously, a few years later, and um, off the back of the international rules, and same scout again gave me a call and said, "Is there interest now?" And I said, "Look, I." This is the third bite of the cherry there now, so I better not squander this one. So I just said, "Look, I'll, I'll give it a go." And kind of, we just went, and that was it. I suppose just to paint the picture, um, you know, you la- you went over. How did you find it? You know, do you think the hardest thing the first, we say, two or three months or four months is 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 been away from home? You need to be very very mentally strong. You know, you see a lot of young young guys going across to England, or even going over to Australia, and it mightn't work out. I think mental toughness is probably the the biggest thing because it is difficult to go away from home at, at such a young age. Yeah, it is like very difficult, um, and and I can't really speak as much because I was a bit older when I went over. I was I was twenty three when I went over. I had my my wife Amy. At, Amy at, was with me at the time, and um, and I had her, and that that was an off like that was a huge help. Um, just having someone with me, um, and she was fantastic. Um, and we kind of went on the journey together and we we're out there together and we kind of finished the journey really in many ways together as well. So having someone like that close to you. Um, Kieran Byrne as well came out in the same flight to, to Carlton as well. And he was, um, he was an outstanding character. He was only 18 at the time, so he was a little bit younger. Um, but just a great personality, um, an unbelievable athlete and, um, and just a good friend. And I think it's it's important. Again, it comes back to leaning on on the people that you know you make that connection with. And we had like myself, Amy, um, we had Kieran, and we had Zach, and we had his his wife or his partner as well. So we kind of had this this kind of you like I suppose we had the connection to Ireland, um, and we we tended to kind of bounce off each other. So that was always going to be a big help as well. But mental toughness for for a young 18, 19 year old is is huge. Um, now. In, in terms of kind of having Zoom and, and Skype and, you know, all these things now at the moment, it does make it a little bit easier, but there's a huge credit due to guys that go out there at the moment and are able to kind of, you know, stick it out and give it a good go. Um, like, you know, I, I'm big on, you know, thinking that once you make that decision, just make sure it's the right one. And once you do make the decision, decision commit to it um, and just, you know, give it your all um, because you, you'll just come back wondering, you know, what if, and uh, and that's that'd be kind of my biggest advice to, to young lads that do go out there that you know be ready. It is tough. It is tough uh, physically, mentally. You will be challenged, um, and it's important that guys know that before they do go out and make that decision as well. Um, but uh, certainly a, a wonderful opportunity for any any young guy. Um, couldn't recommend it highly enough. Young guy or girl at the moment, like the the AFLW at the moment is 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 flying as well, um, which is great. And you're seeing kind of more and more Irish girls head out there as well, which is fantastic. So, um, but I do think you know if if you do get the opportunity and and you are willing to go for it, just go for it and have no regrets and kind of you know give it your all when you do go for it, like you know. And surround yourself with, you know, with a good network as well. I suppose it's important when you're over there. Absolutely, absolutely, and and Joe, you know there's a great kind of Irish community out there now at the moment as well. Like the amount of you know, as I said, the amount of ladies out there, the amount of guys out there now, um, like I'm still a part of, of the WhatsApp group, uh, the takeover, um, which is, uh, is, which is good fun. Um, so, you know, there's always a bit of ball hopping still like, so you, you make friends out there like that will last a lifetime, like, you know, so it's, uh, it's important again, that you stay in touch with these guys. Um, and the, the lads certainly do like, you know, um, and they, you know, they fly from different, different states to kind of meet up with each other and, and stay connected, which is which is hugely important because they're all going through the same thing. One um, couple of weeks ago, actually, one of the first podcasts I had the uh, Kelly sisters on. You know, they're 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 going over to Australia again. Um, 
Yeah. But one thing they, they said that the training facilities, they were in awe of them when they landed over there. What were they like? To, you know, when you landed over there, what were you blown away by? Yeah, it was, that was certainly a big, big part of it. Um, the, the facilities are outstanding. Um, but again, like, you know, you, it's kind of surreal, like when you go out there and it takes a while for you to actually realize that you're, you're doing this, you know, for a living and you're doing it all the time. Um, you know, like there is, there is a period, you know, particularly the first couple of years where you're, you're really trying to develop yourself in all areas of the game. Um, and then I suppose once you get past that two year period of development, you're really trying to understand your place on the team, what position you're going to really kind of push for. Um, but the, the first two years really are kind of finding out, you know, how am I going to develop? Where do I fit in? Um, you know, getting used to, you know, going to the gym, you know, once, maybe twice a day. Um, finding even being able to switch off in that downtime, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and, you know, because you're in such an intense environment all the time, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, it was almost to a certain degree like you were back at school at some stages because, you know, you might have, you might have three or four hours of meetings a day just purely on tactics. Um, and like, you know, that was for me, the most difficult part of the game was actually the structure and understanding the structure around, you know, where you needed to be at a certain time. Um, like uh, two inches to right or two inches left can be the, you know, the make or break of a goal. Like, you know, so, and, and believe me, you're called out if you are that two inches too far to the right, like, you know, so it's, again, it was, it was just familiarizing yourself with it. Now to be fair, Carton, and most clubs would be outstanding in terms of, you know, they understand that you're coming from a different game. They want you to play freely. They want you to kind of have a goal. Like Conor McKenna, for example, with Estens, the, the perfect example, he really just plays on instinct um, and, it, and he's brilliant at it. Uh, like taking a few dumb, dummy solos and things like that, that, you know, guys aren't used to, but he really kind of expresses himself on the pitch, which kind of is better for Essendon in football club in the long run, like, you know, so... They've managed that really well. A lot of clubs have managed it really well. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a funny funny time when you go out. It's you're kind of in awe of, in ev- of everything that's going around you, but you really have to knuckle down and just say, right, okay, I need to fit in here as quickly as possible and get through it as much as possible. No, like again, it's in an environment that you're not used to. But to be fair, I was very lucky with the the team that was there at the time, the coach that was there at the time. Um, just all very welcoming and everything like so that does make a big difference and how did you find the training you know going from inter-county training here in, in Ireland all Ireland champions you know effectively a couple of years before and going over there did you find a big change I, I think there was a big change in that um, you're able to increase your load significantly because you have time to recover um, Whereas intercounty level, and it's, it's certainly the high performance side of things has gone through the roof since I left um, and have noticed that big time since I came back. But even before I left, like it was, it was very intense training. But then when you went over to Australia, it was kind of a case of, well, there's a whole nother level you can go to here. But on the flip side of that, you've time to recover to actually get to that level. Whereas you know, here you have your, your work life, you know, you have a lot going on, you know, outside of just, just sport or playing football. So um, that's important that you get that balance right. So so when I went out to Australia, it was a case of, okay, I, I've all this time now to focus on training, but I equally have all this time to recover. So I was able to kind of get up for the next session every time. So um, certainly the training load increased by a huge amount. Um, like, you're running probably anywhere between 12, 14, potentially 15K a game versus, I don't know the exact figures of, of, of football in terms of GPS, but it'd be around that 10 to 12 mark. Um, but like, it was a case of you're getting tackled, you're, you know, that, that thrown into it. And you're getting, you know, there's just a lot of more body contacts. Um, so it was just kind of getting used to all that, the physicality of it. But um, you know what, like, if you go out and you kind of really s- stick to the process, then you kind of, you fast track yourself quite quickly. I certainly start the, the pre-seasons were, 
from what Colin said there as well, like they were certainly grueling, um, like training in that heat um, under that severe kind of, uh, I suppose, physicality, but I suppose from the mental side of things as well, it's just kind of, they really kind of stretch the boundaries, which is, which is great. Um, as long as you're kind of minding yourself and looking after yourself. Um, but you're, you're under the eyes of, of so many professionals in terms of the high performance side of things. So, um, yeah, no, look, it was, it was, uh, Colin's story absolutely kind of summed up, you know, how, how I could, how I could imagine that a lot of guys would be feeling at that time, you know, I'll just jump on the tram here. Um, unfortunately for his, from his side of things, he got caught out. <laughs> um, I suppose we'll just bring it back to 2010. Uh, you got called into the, the senior setup, Conor Coonan called you in. Uh, that was after um, quite a successful 2009 campaign. You won an Ireland on 21 medal um, and you won a junior as well. Is that right? Junior Monster, yeah. Junior yeah. Monster. And um, so. I suppose the, na- the natural pro- progression was, go- you know, it was to get into the, the senior side and you got the call. What was it like as a 19-year-old, you know, going into the, the dress room with, you know, some cult heroes, you know, with Kenty and all, 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 all those boys back, back in the day? Um, yeah, look, I, to be honest, um, like it was amazing experience. Um, I still look back in that and kind of think, you know, how lucky was I kind of coming into that environment. Um, but it was, it was a case of, um, you know, you just wanted to go in there and impress these guys, like, you know, the likes of, you know, Anthony Lynch, Graham Canty, Alan Quirk, um, Noel O'Leary, Podic Sand, these lads that have been kind of, you know, heroes, like to me growing up, you know, um, it was just a case of, you know, you're in now, you better kind of impress or you're kind of out the gap again. Um, it was a case of kind of, they just didn't tolerate any any kind of fellas that are just going to beat around the bush. Um, and that was it. Um, but uh, it was just, it was it was great to be involved in it. Um, and as I said, I was I was very lucky at the time that, that they created such a, I suppose, a close bond, but also like, uh, I suppose, in, a winning habit or a winning culture to a certain degree. Um, no, and, and they'd say it themselves, like, you know, they would love to have, have win a lot more, but I don't think they change anything for the world. Like, you know, it was, um, it was a, it was a rootless environment. It was intense, but at the same time, you know, just this close knit kind of group of guys that kind of were all, all wanting to achieve the same thing. Um, and that was just something that was, you know, unbelievable to be a part of. How do you think that those guys you know, maintain the culture there at the time? You know, I was, did they just set a standard so high? Yeah, I um, I try. I've tried to put my finger on this a few times, and I, I, I can't really pinpoint it. It was, it was something that I suppose, and they'd probably tell you themselves that happened kind of naturally off the back of genuine um, care and, and I suppose pride in, in wearing the Cork jersey and I, I think that's where it kind of stemmed from um, I think it's like with anything you know when they, they got a sniff like probably four, five, six you know when and Billy Morgan was in charge that they kind of just got a sniff of it and kind of understood that the actual talent that was in Cork and like the talent of, of the players or the calibre of players that they had and and they, like I can, I can only speak from kind of what, what I saw but there were just guys that were just not ready to tolerate anything that was, you know, not meeting their standards, which was, which was amazing to see. Um, and amazing to be involved in, like, it's not until you kind of look back on it and you realize, you know, how good it was. Um, and that's, that's, that's a challenge for, for everyone kind of, you know, even look at, you know, even at club level now in particular, like, you know, it's just amazing. Like there's, there's guys there that I've come back from Australia that are like, I wouldn't have played with at all. Um, and there's these young guys that are full of energy and they just want to compete. And like, you know, the last time I would have seen a lot of them was in the, the cool camps, you know. <laughs> so it was like a, a bit of a shock to the system. But uh, it was it was just, it's, it's amazing to see the level of of hunger and appetite for, for football even like, you know. So I'm just hoping that like, you know, moving forward that Cork in general can really start to to see the potential that's there. Like, you know, and and... You can see that yourself, Jamie, like even after 
the minors winning last year and the 20s winning last year you know it's it's there it's just a matter of nurturing it and kind of I suppose taking that forward and, and hopefully achieving success from there like you know at senior level I say look you know once the structures are in place you know eventually that should you know come to the top give the rebel oak there as well that's a good foundation yeah absolutely and and, and Connor Coon in there and and, and Brian Coppert and uh, Aidan O'Connell there and, and Kevin O'Donovan as well like you know all guys that are, are really looking to get Cork in general, hurling and football, back, you know, going up to Crow Park every year. Um, and I think, it, look, it happened last year. It's not like it's, you know, the Super 8s last year and Cork had a fantastic year in the football. Um, but it's just about maintaining that. And I think and I think they've identified it there and you, and you said it there is, is, you know, the Rebel Oak, like, you know, and that's where, it, that's where you, you build from. And they're the foundation there, like, you know, so um, if you can get the right, the right system and the right structure in place, then... And hopefully moving forward, we can kind of identify talent and, and bring them through. I suppose, look, look, looking back now, do you think, probably it's going to come out the wrong way, but we, we, we'll digest we'll, we'll feed it out. Do you think you took that All-Ireland win for granted? Probably granted is probably too much of a strong word, but... You no, probably, I know what you're saying. You, you, you did appreciate it at the time, but looking back, do you have any, I wouldn't say regret... Yeah. You know, would you've changed anything? I appreciated it. Something. Yeah, I, I um, I don't think I I would have changed anything. I do, I do think that you kind of I suppose naturally enough as a nineteen year old, uh, looking back, it was it was it's all a bit of a blur. I have some really lovely memories of the whole thing. Um, like you know the likes of going back to Arrow, going back to the club with Sam McGuire, things like that. Um. That were amazing, like, um, but there is maybe it's just me kind of thinking back and kind of not taking for granted, but kind of you know, if if I was my 19 year old self now, you know, you you kind of almost appreciate everything a lot more naturally enough, I think. Um, but absolutely privileged to be a part of it. Um, but again, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, like, you know, it just at the time you think, you know, okay, we're onto something here. Maybe there's there's loads more of these to come, but it just shows you how difficult it is to actually achieve it. So, like, you know, you look to, like, sort of Dublin at the moment, like, and the level they're at and what they've been able to achieve over the last, you know, six years is is unbelievable, you know. And uh, so people are, like, you know, I have to kind of sit back and kind of realise, wow, that's a, that's a fair achievement. Um, and I think people do, but it's, uh, it's certainly not easy to win one uh, I wouldn't imagine by any stretch of means like you know so uh, particularly the way the way things have gone now and the intensity of the way the game's played um, you know the standards certainly certainly gone through the roof so um, yeah it'll be interesting to see how the next few years pan out in terms of um, teams competing against against Dublin and, and Mayo and Kerry and, and Cork you know it's it, Donegal Tyrone like it's it's kind of interesting to see, and it always happens in cycles. Like, you know, there is a team that comes at times. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the next few years pan out and, and what team kind of kind of comes to the top. When you went over to, to Carrington at the time, um, do you want to just give a quick overview? Like, did you break straight away into the first team or what's the structure over there? Yeah, so I, I played... F- so there's a VFL competition, which would be your kind of reserves competition, but it's 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 a very high level of, of football in Australia. Um, so the VFL would be the Victorian League, um, so all your Victorian clubs. Um, and I I played in that. I played 14 games in that, um, which was really kind of a developmental stage. And um, I just started to kind of get a bit of form probably in the last four games. So the first 10, I was kind of just... So I was understanding the game and learning as much as I could, and then the last four games at that on that year, I started to kind of find a bit of form, and I was just kind of getting on a lot more ball, and then all of a sudden, after playing fourteen, I got a, I was kind of pulled aside by the head coach, and he just said, "Look, we want to give you a shot." Um, it was Mick Malthouse at the time, and um, he had a history of kind of you know Marty Clark and Collingwood. He would have you know been close to him as well, and he would have kind of had a tendency to kind of be fond of the Irish guys in many ways and, uh, you know, was willing to kind of give us a shot. And, uh, and all of a sudden I knew I was on the phone to my mother and I was saying, you know, 
you got to get a, a Carlton are going to fly you out there to the game there on the weekend. And this is probably a Thursday, like. Um, and she came over then and uh, debuted against Gold Coast uh, 2014. Um, and uh, yeah, managed to play the, the last four games of that season. And uh, and then um, yeah, the the injury started to, to come on board then in, in the following preseason. And I suppose that, that excuse me, that brings you up to you know brings us up to 2007. Though we kind of touched on injuries already, but 2017. Sorry, um, I suppose with that uh, the nail in the head, um, the lateral ligament and rupture, the hamstring thing that left the bone. Do you think that set you back a huge amount? I think, yeah, yeah, it would have. Um, I, I, I kind of hate going back to injuries as a kind of a reason why um, I wasn't playing, but um, certainly, certainly a, a part of it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was just tough to to get blow after blow, and especially when you kind of know that you 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 can get to the level because you played at the level. Um, so it got in, increasingly frustrating. But um, look, that. They're the cards you're dealt sometimes, um, and the way I look at it and I look back at it, it, it kind of you always say you kind of grow that extra bit from kind of meeting a bit of adversity, and um, I certainly felt like that was the case with me. Um, I, I I played two senior games in my last year in 2017. I had rehabbed and worked really hard with the the lateral ligament and the the hamstring tendon to get that right and. I got it right and, and got my, my couple of games. They didn't go too well for me, but I still kind of was proud of the fact that I kind of worked to get that opportunity, like, you know. And uh, But look, it, it didn't work out the way I had kind of envisaged from the start, but I certainly kind of knew where I was at and was comfortable with, with where I got to. Um, Would have obviously liked to have had a longer career um, at that level, but that, that's the way it goes, like, you know. And uh, and it was just a case of on to the, to the next opportunity. So you, um, things finished up in 2017 um, and you didn't return home to Ireland until late last year. So what do you do in the intimate period? Yeah, um, a great period because I suppose I really got to kind of experience Melbourne for, for what it was outside of, you know, the, the intense environment of, of, of being an AFL footballer. But um I um we we weren't finished with Melbourne when I finished up and we were just we were just ready to kind of experience life there a bit more myself and Amy and um Amy was really happy with work and everything as well and it was just a case of right I'm I'm unemployed now I have to try and try and find something so um I suppose I I kind of grown a passion for the the player development space um through I suppose being on a couple of kind of leadership groups in that in Carlton and um kind of helping the kind of younger lads kind of who came in and kind of you know trying to give them some some sort of guidance from what I kind of experienced and what worked for me um but look I I, I was kind of got a great pride in in kind of helping guys and, and, and pointing them in the right direction but but also kind of just being there to kind of listen and kind of help them through a, a tough period that they might be going through um I suppose off the back of experiencing that myself but um Luckily enough, this opportunity came up um, and actually came across it through our player development officer in the club, kind of highlighted the, the role to me. And uh, it, was, it was the role of, with the AFL Players Association, um, working with past players or former players. Um, and I applied for the role, went for, you know, three interviews in the end um, and, and got the role. So got the role as alumni programs coordinator. So there was a, a part of a two-man team Brad Fisher as well so there was two of us there and um just an amazing experience being able to work um from that side of things really player player focused um amazing CEO in, in Paul Marsh and everything you know all his values are based off what the player needs and wants are and um and that could, that can be actually quite quite rare and uh, he's just an excellent leader um within the industry and uh, yeah, it was just a pleasure to be to be part of it. Um, I suppose we we had a lot of support networks for for past players. Um, I think it was identified that it was it was a, a growing issue, or it was, a, it was a I suppose a an area for improvement for players, and that they want to be supported post their careers. And um, 
we put a massive emphasis on on providing programs that would support them support them after after sport like you know after AFL and do you think um, that's kind of something or that's the direction the GPA is going here in Ireland I think so I think they've I think they've some amazing programs at the moment um, I think they're obviously in terms of funding I suppose it's it is easier because of the scale that the AFL the AFL operates on um, that funding is is obviously going to help enhance the programs probably a bit quicker um, just fast track them a bit and we had that kind of pool of money that we could provide that support but I think the, the, the GPA are doing you know something similar um, I know they're, they're looking to help players transition out of the game they're looking to support players after the game because it is quite a quite a, a difficult time for a lot of guys you know if you're engrossed in a game for longer than 10 or 15 years or even you know five or six years you know it doesn't matter how long you're in the game you still need that support coming out because um you know some guys have to finish up prematurely because of injuries like you know you look at Shane Dowling things like that you know and and they need that support because you know a lot of their life is based around you know playing in front of crowds getting that buzz you know from the from the crowd or you know winning a game or you know representing your county it's just it's just it is quite an intense environment. Now, the great thing about the GA is you have that balance between actual life and the GA, whereas um, because it's an amateur sport, but in, in in AFL, it's that intensive, you know, environment for a long period of, of, of your career. Um, and yeah, look, I, I think the GPA and, and, and Paul and his team have really identified the need to support guys post their, their inter-county careers. And I think that's a space that, you know, potentially they will delve into a bit further, but it's certainly a space that they should and probably are at the moment looking at in terms of support. Upon your return um, back to you came back at a good time. You won a Cork Premier Intermediate Football Championship with uh, Airog. Yeah, I was I was I was very lucky there. To be honest, um, I. Uh, I, I'm just very grateful for that period. To be honest, I was um, look. I was wasn't long after coming back, and everyone kind of welcomed me with open arms. So it was a case of the lads done the bulk of the work. Um, I came in around kind of quarter final stage, and um, I was on the bench at the time, and my knee was kind of giving me a bit of trouble because I had I had surgery previously that year, um, and I was just kind of managing it to a certain degree. And lucky enough, came on for the semi final. Um, and came on for the final as well. And and look, the lads had an unbelievable year. Um, just a, a great, great guys to be around. To be honest with you. Um, and uh, yeah, part of the celebrations <laughs> felt like a bit of a fraud. Like, but um, it was it was just great to to be kind of get that winning feeling again with Airog. Um, look, to be honest, we we didn't have much success with Carrington, so it was kind of a case of, Jesus, this feels this feels pretty good when we're winning. So. Um, no, it was fantastic, and look, I, I you know, own a, a flat to your OGA club, and they were able to kind of welcome me back in the way they did. Um, it was fantastic. Look, we'll, we'll finish up in a few minutes, but what was the biggest change, you know, for you coming back to to Cork and coming back playing football? It's a great question. I don't think anyone's actually asking me that directly. Um, <laughs> biggest change. Um, I suppose it's just adapting to life, like uh, two very different lifestyles. Um, like we, um, we certainly loved Melbourne for what it was in terms of, you know, the, the food, just the culture, you know, the sport. Um, don't get me wrong. Ireland has that in abundance, but I suppose you have the added factor of, of nice weather in, in, in Melbourne. But, um, yeah, look, we, I suppose that's the biggest difference is like you kind of come back and it's more a case of, um, I suppose we kind of fell back into life as it was back home. And we knew that we were really looking for that. So, um, but again, I suppose it's, it's quite intense kind of coming back to particularly football in that, you know, you have your, your nine to five work and then you're all of a sudden into training. So it's a case of your work day is almost seven to, to 10 o'clock at night um you know so it's it was certainly took a bit of getting used to again um no 
I know people would argue that the GA is a work, but I suppose the fact that I was over in Australia and playing at a professional level and I was kind of like, this is my job, that I've kind of got into that mindset or that, you know, you know, when you go training, you're there to work as well and work hard. So, um, yeah, it was that, that, that has been a challenge, to be honest with you, is just adapting to that. Um, you know, myself and Amy used to have our evenings together and um, they're kind of taken away, <laughs> away from us to a certain degree now. Um, but um, Amy's d- delighted that I can go back playing um, something that I've, I've always loved and missed out on for the last six years. And she's just been really supportive, you know, from that side of things. So I'm lucky that she is the way she is. So, um, yeah, so like that's probably been one of the biggest challenges. Um, work's been going fantastic. I've been very lucky that we both kind of came back and we, we got jobs um, working with your executive recruitment, which is fantastic. Um, just a great team there. Um, and you know things are are going really well um, and look I suppose that was a big part of us coming back and being able to have a career and set ourselves up and, and kind of get the ball rolling with our life admin but uh, yeah it's, it's it's been good it's been a it's been a reasonably easy transition for us so far. Very good very good uh, one last question what you know I suppose the experiences you've had now today it's been in different teams and all that what how important do you think is a good team culture for a team to succeed, whether that's winning championships or winning a few games? I think it's hugely important. Um, I, I've been lucky enough, to, as you said, to experience it from a few different teams. Um, but maintaining a culture where everyone is an environment where everyone is comfortable. Um, like, I don't know if you, you probably would have seen this, but about the, there's a buzzword going around at the moment about psychological safety and that um, every player feels comfortable to speak up um, within the group. Um, and if you can create a culture that everyone is able to do that and be confident in doing that, I think, it's, I think that would kind of basically is the bedrock of, of what you're trying to form in that... Um, if everyone's comfortable in their environment, you're automatically creating a winning culture straight away, particularly from a team perspective. Like this goes even in the corporate world and everything as well. You know, if you create a culture that, you know, you go into work every day, you're comfortable in the environment, you know, everything's been said that, or all evidence would point to that your performance will go up because you're comfortable in that environment or you're comfortable in that culture. Um, so like even from a sporting perspective, then if you look at, the way high performance is going through the roof. If you can mar that up with a good culture, then you could potentially get an extra, I don't know, might be 20% performance improvement in performance if you have 40 lads plus management bought into the same thing. Um, like it holds an awful lot of weight, um, particularly when you get to the business side of things because you know that's when the heat comes on and the pressure comes on. And all of a sudden you have this culture that's there that's been built up naturally and you subconsciously are prepared for it um, and you kind of you stand up to you know a challenge that might that might come your way um, without even thinking about it so I think I think creating an environment where everyone is comfortable in that environment and comfortable with their own thoughts um, and how they can improve seeking feedback um, which is another I suppose leg to it where you have an environment where guys want to go and seek feedback like you know you've like we had a we had a meeting um i'll never forget it it was after we lost we lost one of the bottom sides in carlton and we were all kind of nervous going into the meeting and it was in it was in the boardroom and we like anytime you go into the boardroom you know it's a you know you're in trouble and uh we went in and everyone kind of was you know with their head down you know sitting down and we got into this kind of we got a good spray like you know we were getting you know why did you do this and why did you do this? And fellas were being challenged, but it was like it was good in many ways because you know we're challenged in front of the group, but they're able to accept it and understand where they were coming from without kind of giving that back chat. But he came to the end and he was talking about leadership. And uh, Brent Bolton was coach at the time. He was talking about leadership, and he said, um, you know, good leaders accept feedback. Um, like they go, you know, yeah, I accept your feedback. But he said the great leader is going and they crave it. So they go to, so your captain of the club, which would have been Mark Murphy at the time, can go to a first or second year player and ask him, you know, 
how do you think I, I played today? Is there anything I can do better? Like, that's a great sign of a fella. And that's something that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, you know, do you know what? If you can create an environment like that, you know, the winning stuff kind of comes as, you know, as you go. It's that, that's almost as a side effect of creating that culture. So um, stuff like that. And, and I, I've been lucky enough to gather kind of bits and pieces like that along the way. Um, but it's things like that could kind of just stick with you, you know. Um, but no doubt in my mind that if you can get your culture right, both from a, a sporting perspective, but from just from an organizational perspective, um, you know, I can certainly, certainly see performance go from, we'll say, here to here, like, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, but something I've got quite passionate about as well. And what advice do you give to lads or, or girls going over to Australia um, kind of going into the unknown? Yeah, like kind of I touched on it before, but I think once you make that decision, no one's gonna no one's gonna make a decision for you. But once you make that decision, absolutely commit to it one hundred percent. No, there's always going to be times where you're a bit up and down, you get a bit homesick, and things might be going your way. But if you can just seek clarity and lean on kind of the people around you and that support network, definitely utilize that because that'll take you to the next level. Um, there's always a silver lining, so always look for that silver lining. Um, but in terms of going out, before you do make that decision to go out, understand you know what it is all about. You know, get all their information from as many people as you can. Um, it's not as smooth sailing as you know. Sometimes the dream is sold to you as you know you go out and you you know, but you have to work hard. You definitely have to work hard, and that's a huge part of it. Um, and without that, you know. You know, it's questionable whether you you last, you know, out there. But um, in saying that, like, it's it's an amazing country aside from the AFL and everything. It's an amazing country. It's an amazing experience. Personally, um, outside of the professional side of things, personally, it is something that I, I'd highly recommend. But um, I just say best luck to anyone that gives it gives it a go. Um, but certainly, if you commit to it, commit to it a hundred percent. What is the future hold for for you? Um, future, a bit uncertain for everyone at the moment, isn't it? Um, uh, look, I suppose it's a case from a, a playing perspective. It's a case of I'm I'm getting all my energy from the younger lads in the group, but I um, and I've I've noticed that even with in the club, but I haven't seen a lot of the Cork lads. So it's a case of getting that back now. Once once we get back into to training and everything again, but look, it's a case of see how the body holds up and go for as long as I can and once I hit that wall then I'll, I'll know it's time but um, we'll go for as long as we can anyway but I suppose from, from a personal perspective it's just about enjoying life isn't it and you know seeing what's, what's around the next bend um, taking every day as it comes but uh, at the moment it's, it's just great to be back home I suppose around family and friends particularly in this time as well like you know we're, we're very lucky that we kind of got back you know before before everything happened so um, no we're just so it's all about gratitude. We're, we're grateful for, for where we're at at the moment. And uh, yeah, we'll see what's around the corner. Perfect. On that note, I'm going to end it there. Thank you very much, Kiran, for taking time out and coming on an interview podcast. Thanks very much, Jamie. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Well, enjoyed that interview with Kiran. Such a remarkable story. From the fields of Aeroog to Carrollton Blues in Australia, was no doubt a massive opportunity for Sheehan. Um, as, you, as you heard there, Kiran was very open and honest about his career. The period in Australia contained more dark days, perhaps due to the injuries rather than, than good times. But through all those dark days, he always had a why which drove him and kept him going. Um, he's very, very upbeat, very optimistic, and that definitely shone through uh, throughout the interview. I've heard Kiran say at times that he might have a lot of regrets, but look, everyone in life will do at some stage. He had the opportunity to play and live as a professional athlete for four years. That was Stanton, the experience he has um, gained from that that moment in his life, that period in his life will definitely, you know, will definitely be worth it going forward in some shape or form. Look, I'd like to thank Kiran for taking time out and coming on interview podcast and look best luck with everything going forward. That is all from us on this week's episode. Please do get in contact with the show if you have any stories from being part of a team, whether it's a sports team or corporate team, we love to hear. Don't forget to rate review, tell your family, friends and whoever may know about the podcast. We really, really appreciate it and 
to be kept up to date with what we're doing in the world of on the ball team building be sure to follow us on instagram you'll find us at underscore on the ball team building over on facebook on the ball team building and on twitter it's as we are on the ball to that is the digit to have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we have another exciting guest till then stay safe and remember cred in a fan Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.